0: It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com, top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more Fantasy Points.
1: Here we go, welcome to the Week 15 Matchup Podcast here at FantasyPoints.com. I'm John Hansen. It's Wednesday, December 15th, 7.32 p.m. Eastern, if you must know. And uh, that's when we're recording this. Greg Cosell, fresh all out of the film room, uh, been, been breaking down the tape per usual here. It's uh, Groundhog Day every week here, ready to go. And this is just a little teaser podcast here for those who subscribe to the Fantasy Points feed. Obviously, it shows up in your feed and... Gives you a little taste of what Greg Cosell brings to the table here, and how he uses information based on film study to basically help you win in fantasy football. If you're not a subscriber to FantasyPoints.com, you're still listening to this. You're clearly still in the playoffs, and you're into it. So, uh, forget about subscribing and paying. How about this? Just go there, get a free account, basic account, sign up. That'll trigger a seven week or seven day, sorry, one week. Uh, trial subscription, then you can take it from there, take advantage of some of the good deals that we have for renewals, early renewals for 2022. Greg, I'm sure you're well. Uh, We'll get right into it here. I'm scrolling through your notes. I guess we can start with the Chargers because...
0: Yeah, I I think Justin Herbert, good. Good, huh? That's what I have to say. Justin Herbert, good.
1: How about the offense and... (laughs) how that's schemed up. And, you know, Joe Lombardi, when, when the season's over, I think there'll be two camps there, some for him, some against him. You know, I think they've been a little sketchy in the red zone. I mean, when you watch the tape, you've seen it throughout the year. Uh, what are your impressions of the offense and how it's run, coordinated, and play calling?
0: Yeah, I, I'm not one who likes to comment on play calling because I think so much goes into that that we don't know about. Right. We just see the end result. And we Are they maximizing
1: – their players, are they using them well and all that?
0: Well, you know, I think that it, it's the first year with a new coach and a second-year quarterback who we know is really gifted um, and, and quality receivers for the most part, okay? I mean, obviously Keenan Allen missed this past game, but he's he's a quality receiver, but he's a short-to-intermediate receiver. Mike Williams is a big man that ha- does have vertical ability, but he's not a true burner. Um, so – You know, I think what they've tried to build is they've tried to build in the idea that we're going to have a rhythmic timing-based pass game. We're going to work with uh, an offensive line that's young. They had a left tackle who's a rookie who, unfortunately, will be out. Yeah, he's a stud, Slater. Right, but they didn't know that. So, you know, they have a rookie. They had some new pieces on the O-line. And my guess is they probably felt that the best way to – to really build the offense was to develop a timing rhythm pass game. You know, it's easy to look at Justin Herbert and say, wow, what a special talent. But he's not the only guy on the offense, John. And, you know, I think they probably feel like it's, it's a build as the season has progressed. And I think they've started to do some of that. And we may see more of that, you know, this offseason and going into next year. Um, but I think they viewed it as a build. Let's let's start somewhere. Let's become efficient. Let's become methodical and, and then work off that. And for the most part, they have done that.
1: I've found a little cheat code in terms of finding under-the-radar <clears throat> assets in terms of rookies, <clears throat> young players <clears throat> who, uh, excuse me, production may not be wasn't all that great in college because maybe they had a bad quarterback or a bad offense. Donovan Peoples-Jones is a good example. How about Josh Palmer? Because I, I really like this this guy from what I looked at and saw. I know you watched his tape and you evaluated him, but he, he flashed in this game. I, I like this guy as a prospect. In fact, I think he'll be a starter next year when they let Mike Williams go. I know he played for Keenan Allen this past week.
0: Well, Josh Palmer was a player whose tape I watched, as you know, coming out of Tennessee, and I loved his tape. Uh, he played in the sec. He has, he had an NFL body, which obviously yeah. he still does. Um, he ran by Patrick Sertan twice when they played mm-hmm. Alabama. Um, yeah. uh, I really liked his tape and I thought he was a really good prospect. Um, you know, he did not have big time production because you mentioned the quarterback situation at Tennessee. Uh, But he's a really good player. And, you know, they designed a play for him. It was on the first third quarter possession. It was 36-yard play to him. The touchdown was also designed for him, the way they mapped it out based on the coverage. So, you know, I think that he's going to be a really, really good player. I know they like him a lot. Um, We'll see what they do with Mike Williams. They're certainly not going to sign him to a a top wide receiver number. I guess it would depend what Mike Williams would ask for. Maybe Mike Williams would love to stay to play with a young quarterback. And, you know, who knows? You know, I I don't know what people will offer him. I think he's a quality wideout who still – I don't want to say he's inconsistent per se, but he's he's the kind of player that he seems to have minor injuries quite a bit and and just – you would think, based on his size and his overall talent, that he could be a 90 catch guy, but it doesn't appear that he's that guy. Well, he's a
1: very physical player, man. He takes yeah. on a lot of contact. You know, in previous years, they'd run him downfield. He'd go up in the air and come flying down, bodies all over him. But uh, um, by the way, while we're speaking to the Charger team here, they are playing the Chiefs. And, you know, the Chargers, very zone heavy, very stingy. I don't know about this one here. I mean, I'm worried about Mahomes putting up numbers against anyone but the Raiders. Any thoughts on this matchup here? It seems like the Chargers are equipped to, you know, kind of, for lack of a better term, keep these guys in front of them.
0: You're talking about matching up to the Chiefs?
1: Yeah, this week, uh, the Chief offense, Mahomes well, throwing let, let, the ball before we against get there,
0: I think the most fascinating matchup is the other side of the ball because the Chiefs defense you know, because every week we just talk about Mahomes, you know, that's what everybody talks about. Um, the Chiefs defense has been absolutely sensational for six games now. I mean, yeah. almost almost historically sensational. Um, and they, they've just been really, really good in, in what they're able to do. Um, you know, what Spagnola has done is he's making opposing quarterbacks have to think and decipher after the snap. Um, It'll be interesting how that plays out with Justin Herbert because what he's doing is he's slowing down the decision process for the quarterback at the same time the speed of the play is increasing. So it would not surprise me in this game to see a lot of timing rhythm throws by Herbert just to try to get the ball out. So they, so they, they can not be affected by the disguise and the late movement that is an absolute staple of what the Chiefs defense does. So I think that matchup to me is actually the one I'm most fascinated to watch.
1: Do you think the way they play works well against this defense as you just kind of outlined there, you know, timing, rhythm, you said come out in that regard. I don't know if you, you can play that way for four quarters, I guess, but um, which matchup is more difficult for the quarterback here and challenging?
0: Um, I would say the Chiefs' defense, the way they're playing, they're playing yeah. at a really high level. And, of course, Chris Jones is out, and that's a big deal because one of the things they've been doing, the Chiefs, that is, and Willie Gay is out as well. So that's they have two guys who are, who are out who are really – And Snead.
1: And Snead, yeah. are off in their slot corner.
0: Yeah, Snead didn't play this week, though, and they still right. play really well. Right. Um, uh, but, um, you know, one thing they've been able to do is win one-on-one matchups – um, up front Ingram has become a really important player in their front he's a movable chess piece he's a joker he lines up both inside and outside so you know when, when you can do disguise late movement and then win one-on-one matchups with your D line which as I said could could change a little this week because Jones is indeed out um, but when you can do that you're going to have a very good defense and their defense has been really really good the last six weeks.
1: By the way, I I am looking for an angle for this game in terms of my Thursday night special, my under-the-radar offensive player. I was thinking Jared Cook. I know they throw to Parham, but um, Sorensen's been that tight end matchup, per your notes. The Honey Badger as well. I mean, any thoughts on a guy like Jared Cook up against these guys?
0: Yeah, the, the only thing I'd say there, and you're not wrong, John, you're not wrong at all, is the Chiefs in their six-game winning streak, they played the highest percentage of cover two of any team in the league. Now, they still play cover one and play man, so I don't want to give the wrong idea that they don't play cover one. So we'll see who they match up. Sorensen is normally the tight end matchup. It could be different because of the size of um, uh, both Cook and Parm. Yeah, they're both be huge. Different. It yeah. could be different. They they might see Thornhill, the, the other safety, not, not Matthew. Cause he's short as well. They could see Thornhill as a better tight end matchup. They've done that at times over the last couple of years.
1: Sometimes we have too much information, Greg. It's uh we try and we try to outcoach the damn coaches, you know. Figure out the chess match; it can be difficult. I
0: know, and and then and then when we're wrong, you know, people act like we don't know what we're talking about, which you know that's fine too. But you know, we're you and I, John, unfortunately, we're not in the meetings rooms this week with with the coaches and the players.
1: Happens to the best of them, you know. I'll never forget watching a matchup between the Browns and the Patriots, and it was basically I viewed it as Norv Turner versus Bill Belichick. North Turner beat the crap out of them. I mean, Josh Gordon went for like a buck seventy-five. They could not. St- it was unbelievable. But you know, right,
0: right, right. right some right. Guy,
1: Sometimes you know you you just guess wrong. I remember
0: that game. That was yeah. That, that's yeah. Cleveland back when Josh Gordon had that unbelievable year.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was impressive. It was an impressive day by North Turner. He really a
0: short pass and running away from a keep to leave for a long touchdown.
1: Exactly. He lined up on the left side and he ran across the field to the right.
0: That's correct. I re- I can see the play.
1: See, we're, that's how sick we are, Greg. That was like eight years ago.
0: I know. I can see the play. Yep.
1: Bill's offense against the uh, Tampa D, and, you know, we've talked about this every single week. I mean, you know, I guess uh, we should get a, a new cape for uh, Josh Allen because, uh. once again, they're asking this guy to be Superman.
0: Yeah, I mean, they asked him to be Superman, and he was in the second half. It was a warrior effort by Allen. Their first running play, John, by a bat came on um, the first play of the second possession of the third quarter. Think about that for a minute. You can't play like that, you know. Yeah. And now what what happens? Allen gets hurt. I mean, I haven't heard anything really negative. He was
1: he limited was- today. Apparently he attended Hamilton uh, Tuesday night up in Buffalo and uh, no crutches and had a big smile on his face. That's the word.
0: Uh, and Let's hope that he didn't, you know, n- no one brought a sword to duel him so uh, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah but uh, I think he's gonna you know my guess is he'll play he's that kind of guy and if he was out and about you know then he's probably okay um but um uh yeah it's we say this every week I don't you know I don't know what to say well, let me but ask you this is-
1: how much of their offense at this point is in structure because it seems like more than half of it is just chaos allen you know running away from pressure.
0: No, I wouldn't say that. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I, I would. I wouldn't say that. But I think that they don't really have a true, meaningful intermediate pass game. They hit a right. couple on on a field goal drive in the first half. It was you know some actually a couple of really nice plays. He, um, he hit Sanders, who's going to be out this week, um, to start the third possession of the game. It, it was play action. He hit him in the intermediate void in cover two. The very next play, he hit Diggs on a uh, on a dig ball versus Dean. Um, but they don't really have much of an intermediate pass game, but we say this every week, but it's worth repeating. Their old line is not very good in pass protection. And the right rookie, right tackle Spencer Brown really struggled this week, obviously playing against a very good front and Shaq Barrett. Um, And they just, they don't run the ball now. I don't know whether they believe that I would assume they believe they can't run the ball because I, I just, I don't know. I don't know where to go with this, John. I, I don't know that any coach truly believes that you should not hand the ball off to a running back until the first play of the second possession of the third quarter.
1: Yeah, no, it's, um, it's bizarre. I, it, it feels disconnected, disjointed, the offense to me this year. And maybe part of that is the lack of the running game. Part of that is yep. poor protection so they're right. asking
0: Allen to do way too much. It's not possible to do that. And therefore, people are starting to think Josh Allen's not really, you know, a great player. And he is a great player. And the second half of that game said it all. And look, the reality is, I know it wasn't called, but I think we would probably all agree that that was either holding or interference, you know, on digs. And they probably would have won that game in overtime and, excuse me, in regulation. And if that was the case, we'd probably be talking about Josh Allen all week as if he was Superman.
1: Do you think this matchup, um, would you say this leans to the difficult side against Panthers? They do, as you know, uh, play
0: a lot of cover one. Panthers have a good defense, by the way. Yeah. I mean, I know, you know, we focus on their offense because it's not been very good at all. And, and who knows about their offense? I can't even say right. that right now. But, You're not um, watching that tape. Um, yeah, I didn't watch it yet. But um, I did watch their defense. Um, and, you know, I think their defense is pretty good. Um you know, they they give the offense a lot of looks. They feature disguise and late movement. They've got a lot of versatile secondary players, a lot.
1: Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they, it could you know, be another challenging uh, go they here. They I mean, the they're...
0: quarterback off the edge, you know, with two guys that are going to pose a problem for left tackle Dawkins and right tackle Brown, assuming he's, he's the right tackle again. So this is not an easy matchup for the Bills' offense.
1: I'm going to ask you about Trevor Lawrence, believe it or not, uh, selfishly, because I'm I'm actually considering starting uh, O'Shaughnessy and and maybe even uh, Laquan. But uh, I, I saw your notes, battle line, but you're almost given, it seems like you would give Trevor Lawrence like almost a complete pass on this year um, because it's just a very poor environment, right? I mean, that doesn't seem to be a plan on offense at all. Greg, what do you say? Well,
0: yeah. I, I, like I said, I don't, I can't speak to that because I'm not there, but I will say this and I put this in my notes, John, that he rarely gets easy throws. So I, right. I, I said as a question, cause I don't know, is that a function of scheme? Because it looks like everything is hard and covered and contested, hmm. you know, and every quarterback has to get some easy throws. You can do that. Um, so, I'm not going to sit here and rip their offensive staff. I know people have done that. That's easy to do, and maybe they're right. But the point is, is it, it's very, very hard on a weekly basis. Now, having said that, I don't think Lawrence has been great by any means, uh, but that's not surprising to me. You know, As we've spoken about, the number one indicator of rookie quarterback success in the NFL is, is the quality of the team you're on, and he's on a bad, bad offense.
1: I mean, it would have helped if you had Travis Etienne as a little outlet receiver and, you know, didn't lose Dan Arnold and DJ Chark. But, yeah, it's a tough watch.
0: I will tell you this. I remember when, um, you know, obviously, as you well know, because you were here at times, that I worked with Ron Jaworski for years and years and years. And, um, you know, learned a lot of football from him. We're, we're good friends, as you know. Dick Vermeule would come in every once in a while. And, and boy, did I learn from Dick Vermeule. That was like a a graduate course. Yep. Dick Vermeil would always say he said when you draft a quarterback number 1 in the draft the entire focus of the organization not just the team and the coaching staff but the entire organization and he would say starting with the secretaries starting with the person you know when you walk in the building who who asks you know who you're here to see everybody in the building the entire focus must be to make that quarterback an all pro and I don't know what they're doing in Jacksonville so I can't speak to that but that needs to be the focus of what Jacksonville does.
1: Sure, feels like they did that to Jaws, you know, you know. Yeah, you know, he
0: wasn't the number one pick, you know. I mean, right, but still, I mean, to that wrong. point, right.
1: You know, when Dick Vermeil put it all together for Philly, they had a good o line. They had he had Carmichael, had a good back. I mean, he had a lot. He had a good tight end. You know, yeah, they were good. Yeah.
0: No, they were good. I mean, Carmichael's in the Hall of Fame. Wilbur Montgomery, who, you know, if you're younger, you, you might not know exactly who Wilbert is, but Wilbert was ahead of his time. Wilbert was a great runner before he ripped up his knee and a great receiver who you could split out. He was, in a sense, Marshall Falk before Marshall Absolutely.
1: Falk. Absolutely. One of the most <clears throat> underrated running backs, like, ever. Like- it's just
0: that he only had, like, three, four years because then he ripped up his knee, and back then, you know, ACLs didn't heal the way they heal today
1: right then he then he went into media then he went into coaching
0: yeah Har- wilbert's a great guy i love wilbert I've, yeah I've, now I've one of my good first
1: good. uh thrills uh in doing this way back i did a little tv show in atlantic city that aired you know throughout the delaware valley as they say and uh comcast Sportsnet launched in philly and they launched a monday night football show and that's the show i did and we were had a little bit of a cult following to the so much so that they were actually kind of threatened by us and i didn't hear it but my buddy did it was some ricky waters was doing a show and he said something like oh we're gonna beat those guys down the shore like the tv show our show right right and apparently, my buddy couldn't believe it. He goes, Wilmer Montgomery he goes, oh, I love the guru.
0: <laughs> I was like, oh, wow.
1: Uh, love well, me some well, of Montgomery. Well, but, yeah. it
0: was, he, was, he was so good. But anyway, we get off track here. Buddy. Yeah, we do. But, well, uh, we got
1: stories. I got a Dick mail story, too, but we'll save that for another time. The point time. is,
0: just, it was relating to your Trevor Lawrence story. I don't know, you know your question. I don't know what goes on in the building, but you got to make sure that everything you do – whether Urban Meyer is the coach after the season or not, everything you do has to be designed to make Trevor Lawrence great.
1: Is it is it fair to say that whatever negatives you're seeing, you're almost forgetting about when the season's over?
0: Well, I think if you get a new coaching staff, you have to start from scratch, almost as if he'd be a rookie next year.
1: Wow. Jeez. Um, well, speaking of non-offenses. How bad is the Titan offense right now? I mean, I hate to say it with Ryan Tannehill, but it seems like he's been exposed just a little bit. I know he's in a really bad spot, but this guy like, he can get it done if you've got weapons, but if you don't have weapons, I mean, what what do we got
0: here? Well, they got some pretty significant issues right now, so I I don't I mean, I look at their offense they don't have people, clearly. They have almost no intermediate passing game. It's very condensed schematically. Um, they really don't feature much in the way of intermediate and vertical route concepts and combinations that tactically attack zone coverage. See, to me, I- I'm only telling you based on my experience, I think you can do that no matter who your receivers are, but yeah. that's just my point of view, okay? Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. So I didn't really give much this week?
0: No, no. Um, Jeez. Uh, It was a base personnel game for the Titans, but that could well have been a function of the score. They probably felt they didn't have to score a lot of points, so they played a lot of snaps with 12 personnel and 13 personnel. Um, They don't pass protect very well. That's become an issue, John, and that could be why they play this way. Too many one-on-one breakdowns resulting in pressure and or sacks of of Tannehill. But when all said and done, they generate almost no explosive plays in the passing game to wide receivers, and that's a problem. so you know again i'm sure they're working on it i I don't you know i'm not there i don't have the answer but you have to somehow figure out a way to do that
1: you know josh reynolds didn't work out i don't know what happened but it looks pretty good with the lions i mean he's giving them a presence on the outside
0: who knows what happened there just don't know the answer to that don't know the jaguars blitzed a lot and uh you know, they were pretty effective with some of their pressure schemes versus the Titans. So they play the Steelers this week. The Steelers defense obviously is not the Steelers defense we've come to know. Uh be very curious to see how the Steelers decide to play against the Titans offense.
1: Yeah, you saw that Steeler day. How bad did they look early in the, that was a-
0: early in the game? And keep in mind that they played a team in the Vikings that plays with a fullback, just like the Titans do. So in some ways it's, it's, it's consecutive games in which they're going to get some similar personnel packages. I would bet the Steelers will be significantly better on defense this week. I think they have a really good coaching staff, John. I can't imagine they'll be that bad two weeks in a row.
1: I mean, if you get run on by Deontay Foreman, you're, you're in trouble in the game.
0: Yes, you are. <clears throat> I mean, and it, Dalvin, Dalvin Cook is one thing. Deontay Foreman is another thing.
1: I saw your notes about Big Ben about, you know, he's not really driving the ball and then, First thought uh, as I'm reading it was, well, what about that last throw, baby? And then your last note was that last throw was something else to Friarmuth in the uh, end zone. I saw That's that great throw. throw. Yeah,
0: yeah, that was a I big s- time throw.
1: I saw that throw. I'm like Ben, d- don't retire. You you still got it, buddy. But yeah, uh, well, that
0: wasn't a dr- true drive. Throw, yeah, I guess. Great
1: throw. It was a great throw. Some mustard on it though. Um, but but generally speaking. Uh, we're at, we're at the end here, not really pushing that ball down the field. They, they haven't really made it. I mean, they do take some shots here, but
0: – Well, no, that's what their offense is now, John. It's a yeah. quick game to get it out, or it's vertical shots. That's right. what – what, they don't really have a – a true intermediate pass game but so, as you
1: said you don't need a gun to to take vertical shots
0: no you don't need you don't need a gun to throw a fade ball because they predominantly their their vertical shots are outside the numbers so you don't need a gun for those throws no
1: um I did want to ask I don't think you saw uh Houston at all but uh, I did
0: I saw Davis Mills
1: I'll tell you what I was very impressed he looked good early on Greg what'd you see
0: yeah, he did, actually. I mean, he needs to be protected at this point in his career. Yeah. He's yeah. he's one of those guys. He's very much a pocket player. He's not immobile, John, but he's he's a pocket quarterback. He needs space. He needs space. He needs space. That's a great way to say it. You're 100% right. Yeah. Um, I thought in the first half he showed a lot of poise. He was composed. He had good awareness of the route concepts versus the coverage. Second half, they start to get to him a, a little bit. Mm. Bodies around him, he became a little more unsettled. Um, That's why he needs all the snaps and experience he can get. And they've said he'll play the rest of the year. He's a pocket passer at his core. He needs to be protected and secure. And, you know, obviously they're playing with a little bit of a makeshift. Not a little bit. They're playing with a makeshift O-line. So we'll see. But, I mean, I think it's the right thing to do to give him all the snaps.
1: Yeah, I'm asking you because I'm actually, because of injuries, I'm considering starting Nico Collins. And I know he looked good from what I saw with the 10 targets.
0: They played Jacksonville this week, and I gotta tell you, Jacksonville's defense is not necessarily an easy defense to play against. I mean, so, I think
1: the front is scary, beatable on the back end.
0: Yeah, they did get Shaq Griffin back this week, so he, you know, he's a he's a solid NFL corner. Yeah. But I would agree with you on that. Um yeah. but but they they pressure, they're pretty good up front. They've got two pretty quality edge rushers. Uh, in Smoot and, and Allen. So, I mean, they're not easy up front.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's a good, that's going to be a tough call. I mean, there's not many cake matchups uh, out there. You know, everyone's no. like, you know, there's some bad defenses. But even the bad ones, like in times, it's like they're not awful. Like Jacksonville is a pretty good example of that. I mean, look at all the problems they gave uh, the Bills about a month ago. Uh, Greg, uh, let's get a couple more here. Uh, well, Cowboy offense, and at this point – I mean, it's only a matter of time until we start wondering about Dak and whether or not he's healthy because he's been so poor. But uh, what did you say this week?
0: Yeah, that that, that part I can't answer, obviously, yeah. because he's playing. And so all, all I can do is watch the tape. But um, their offense has not been particularly good. Um, They can't run the ball. You know, they tried to run the ball this week. I mean, I thought it was pretty interesting yeah. that Corey Clement had more carries. I think Zeke is probably hurt a little bit, too. Um, oh, he is. He's
1: playing with the knee brace. He said this week – it. He got through it okay, and he feels really good, but he, he, he said that two weeks ago that he felt good.
0: Yeah, and I, I think Prescott, and I made this note in my um in my notes, John. I don't know if you saw it yet, but he's been rushing his mechanics in re- recent weeks. Lower body has been a little too unsettled. At times, you see him playing too fast in the pocket. I would say that overall, there have been times he's not seeing things as clearly, and that has resulted in everything being speeded up a little. And, yeah, so and, you might
1: – Go with, you know, it might be more mental than physical.
0: It could be. Yeah, I don't know the reason. I can just tell you what the tape shows. But with with an inability to run the ball and Dak not being at the top of his game, their offense has kind of stalled a bit in recent weeks, as you know. So, therefore, receivers are not putting up numbers.
1: Compare and contrast it to uh, the first six weeks. He was was pinpoint. Yeah. Yeah. That's where the injury thought pops up because, you know, it's like it's been a complete unraveling of his game, you know. Yeah. And certainly, the running game has unraveled itself. So that's, that, that's
0: definitely unraveled, which I think is a combination of O line and Elliott um, being hurt. So right now, their offense is—it's a little uncertain right now. I mean, I—I I, I would not know how you would, you know, truly project them this week. That you know, I don't know how you would do that. Um, well,
1: you know, I—I'm not. I had to pull back from where I would normally rank Dak, I can tell you that. I mean, he doesn't, you know, I, I'm not giving him big numbers. Yeah, you know? and I
0: don't think the Giants have a bad defense, by the way. I know yeah. I Know that they gave up, you know, some some yardage and some points to the Chargers, but I don't think they're a sieve kind of defense.
1: Do they travel uh, Bradbury, you think, this week? Maybe not. because They didn't who, travel
0: him last week, so I can't, you know.
1: Yeah, who are you he, traveling him with? You know, right. I mean, Cooper's a threat. Lamb's a threat. You might as well just play your sides, I guess.
0: Well, yeah, and Lamb will probably be in the slot. In mostly, the slot anyway, though, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they'll – although now Aaron Aaron Robinson, who started last week for the Giants, the rookie, he's on the COVID list. So um, he played outside opposite Bradbury, so they're going to need to make a change there.
1: You saw the Bengal offense and uh,
0: – Burrow was awesome.
1: Yeah, and, and no sign of the injury at all, huh?
0: No, I thought he was really good this Jeez. week. Really good.
1: Yeah, that's great. Uh, I don't know about this week, though, man. That that Bronco day is
0: pretty darn. Yeah, it's a man. tough matchup. It's a really tough matchup. You know, particularly the way Vic Fangio uses his safeties, there'll be a lot of different looks for Burrow. Um, Burrow's a very confident thrower. You know, he he might he might throw one or two this week to the Broncos just because he might not see it exactly the way he thinks it is. That's Vic Fangio's deal. You know, he he shows you one thing, and then all of a sudden it's different. And it's different when it's too late, you know. Yep. So we'll see. But I thought Burrow was outstanding against the Niners. He threw the oh. ball really well, made some really tough throws under pressure. Um, you know, he's he, he, he tends to be decisive. Now, he, every once in a while he's wrong, but he tends to be decisive.
1: Yeah, well, and he has amnesia too probably, right?
0: That is correct. He strikes right. me without knowing Joe Burrow as being very cocky and confident?
1: I think he's very calculated and measured. And I think he, again, I, I, I Brady as a cop. I think he kind of wants to be like Brady, not on the field per se, but just the all American kind of, you know, and, and he's calculated about it and very smart, very mature. He speaks really well to the media and all that crap. But, uh, you see,
0: and I think as he gains even more experience, we forget, John, he's a second year player and he missed the last part of his first year, you know, with social media and everything. And his last year at LSU it seems like he's been playing for 10 years, but mm-hmm. he's a second year player. And I think I would much rather this is me, my personal point of view, you know, based on years of film study. I would much rather have a quarterback who's aggressive with that mindset and have him channel that with experience as opposed to have a quarterback that, that is cautious and risk averse.
1: No. Yeah. I've sized this guy up pretty well. I mean, I I got it right from the beginning from when I started to look at him. I mean, this guy has got everything you want. I mean, he wants to be great. He's got that drive. He's, he's a type a, I mean, very intense competitive. I mean, he's got it all here. So uh, they're they're, they're good. Um, long-term, um, couple of other here, uh, Jimmy G on the other side holding it down pretty well and doing so really without a, a running game the last week and a half.
0: Um, yeah, they still, running run game has I mean, been they still sober. run it. They, they don't give yeah. up on the run game. You're talking right. about overall production. Effective, yeah, from the, yeah, yeah. A fantasy perspective, You and you are correct about that. Um, but I would say that um, they still will run it. They don't give up on the run. You know, that's a big deal with Kyle Shanahan. I thought Jimmy G played well this week. I mean, he did. Obviously, the conversation might be different if Jesse Bates doesn't drop an interception in the fourth quarter. It seems like Jimmy G has one or two throws every game because they work the middle of the field because that's where he's most comfortable throwing it. Because he doesn't have a big arm and a power arm. They don't throw a lot of balls outside the numbers. Um, Yeah. So. It seems like he has one or two throws every week where you just wonder, God, how did he not see that guy? Um, and yeah. Jesse Bates this week dropped it. Or, like I said, we might be having a different. That's who he
1: is at this point. That's who he is. Correct. You know,
0: but I thought That's- he also showed some some pocket movements, subtle pocket movements that um, uh, you know we normally don't see him do. But I thought oh, yeah. I thought he did a nice job this week.
1: He got crunched a couple of times back there too, though, didn't he? he? Did. Some pass pro. Issues there. Um, All right. And then um, let's see if we have one more. I mean, Seattle's offense, any improvement there?
0: Well, you know what? He hit a couple of movement throws. Um, They did hit a lot of big plays in their offense this week. Again, you can say what you want about who they played. They played Houston. um, But Penny looked really quick and active to me. Rashad Penny, the best to me, he's looked as a pro. Um, Wow. So I don't know if he's the guy now going forward. I think he is. Um, you know, we'll see if he can stay on the field, but he yep. really looked quick and active and Wilson made a couple of, um, of Wilson plays, which we've have been few and far between this year. But he, I thought that overall, you know, if he makes some of those plays, then their offense tends to move the ball, you know, because those are big plays. So they had, I think I made a note in my notes and I'm just trying to find it now about how many 20 plus, I think they had eight plays if I'm not mistaken of twenty plus yards or more. Let me see, let me get to my notes on that. Um Yeah, I'm looking for it too here. Yes, they had eight plays of twenty plus yards with six of them coming in the passing game and then the two penny touchdown runs. So that's something they've been missing, John. They've had not they've not been a big play offense.
1: Lockett just seems to run so more routes. I mean he's just all over the place. And DK seems like, you know, he's running like three different routes, but that's just that's just me. Um, to show you how quickly things change, I have ranked Rashad Penny this week over Zeke Elliott. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the guy was like a complete non-factor up right. until like a half a you know week and a half ago, and now I'm getting I'm, I'm I'm playing him over Zeke at this point. But yeah, he will be the guy.
0: Yeah, he'll be the guy. You know, and hopefully, I really hope he can stay on the field. But he'll be the guy.
1: Uh, That'll wrap it up here for Greg Cosell. I'm John Hanson. This has been just a little preview of Greg Cosell and the content that he brings us at fantasypoints.com tomorrow night, Thursday night, before week 15 kicks off me, Greg and Adam Kaplan. will do a one and a half hour live stream covering all the matchups with all this type of, convo and matchup talk and injury updates and the good stuff there so wrapping it here good luck in the playoffs we'll talk to you next week for Greg Cosell I'm John Hanson and this has been the fantasy points matchup podcast
0: thanks for tuning in to this edition of the fantasy points podcast